Hello and welcome to episode 47 of the Vegan Business Tribe podcast with myself, David Pennell, co-founder of Vegan Business Tribe. And if you have a vegan business or you're just thinking about starting one, which is very appropriate for today's episode, then Vegan Business Tribe, we're here to support you and to inspire you, not just to build a vegan business, but to build a successful vegan business. And in last week's episode, we brought you the first of our sessions live from Global VegFest. And what an event it was, bringing together the best of global vegan activism with 46 speakers live streamed over two days. And I am honoured to say that Vegan Business Tribe were asked to open the event with two live sessions concentrating on vegan business. And in today's episode, I am very happy to bring you the recording of the second of those two sessions. So if you jump back to last week's episode, which was episode 46, then we brought you the recording of the first session, which was a live seminar that I delivered myself going through the five main things that I genuinely believe you need to make a successful vegan business. And it wasn't just things like be active on social media or you need to stand out from your competitors, but the really fundamental points that you need to have in place to have a successful vegan business. But after we finished that live stream, we dived straight into our panel discussion on how to start a vegan business, which, as you are about to hear, was an amazing session. Now, I introduced the panellists in full at the start of the recording, so I won't run through them in full right now. But most of these people you're about to hear from are Vegan Business Tribe members. They are all passionately ethical vegans themselves and they've all launched their own businesses and there was just so much collective experience and wisdom amongst all of us on this panel that we could have easily spent four times as long talking about this topic this session was recorded and live streamed live over zoom so if you want to know what our panelists look like or you just prefer to watch the video version then head over to the vegan business tribe website and take a look at our live seminars and panel section where you'll not only be able to watch this session back but also lots more that we've recorded in the past including with crowdfunder uk on how to set up your first crowd crowdfunding campaign for a vegan business or our expert panel discussion on what's going to be big next in vegan featuring the vegan society and alternative stores or our funding panel featuring investors such as claire smith from beyond animal covering all the different ways you can get funding as a vegan business and you can get access to all our content and our entire community as part of Vegan Business Tribe membership, which is only £12.99 a month. And becoming a member, it doesn't just give you lots of tools and support to grow your vegan business, including getting access to lease from myself on our business clinics and our welcome one-to-one. But being one of our paid members, it also helps us keep recording this podcast every single week and doing everything we do to keep championing the vegan business scene worldwide. 
Okay, so let's get straight into the live recording from Global VegFest with myself and four guest panellists on how to start a vegan business. Well, hello and thank you for joining us for this very special vegan business panel as part of VegFest UK Online. My name is David Pennell and I'm the co-founder of Vegan Business Tribe and just all-round vegan business champion, especially today, because today we're talking about the subject of how to actually start a vegan business. Now, it would be extremely boring if I was just to talk about this topic myself for the next uh, 45, 50 minutes or so. So, Thankfully, I'm joined by four amazing fellow vegan business owners who are all wonderful, ethical vegans themselves. So just to quickly go around the virtual room and introduce who I'm joined with today. So first of all, we've got Mitali Depakatha from Let's Tell Your Story Publishing. And Mitali helps vegan and ethical entrepreneurs become published authors. And we could all do with a little bit of that. And then we've got Keith Lesser from Vegan Accountants. And Vegan Accountants provide accountancy services and financial management for ethical businesses. Then we have Steve Hutchins from Do Good, who produce chef-cooked frozen vegan dog food. And in terms of starting a vegan business, Do Good are right at the launch stage as we speak. So it'd be great to get an update on where you are at the moment on that one. And then finally, we've also got Trevor Banerjee from The Freedom Switch. And Trevor runs a startup agency for socially conscious businesses. And can I just say, what a head-spinning lineup of amazing vegan businesses. I wish we could spend an hour chatting to each of you individually. But what I want to do, just before we get into the general discussion, is spend just two minutes each, and I think it might have to be literally just two minutes, just sharing your own startup journey. Because most people start out working for someone else. And for some people, they will spend their whole career working for other people's companies. And there's nothing you know, wrong with doing that. But all of us here today at some point decided that we wanted to have our own business. I include myself in that statement. I think uh, I started my first business something like 20 years ago, and I'm on my fifth or sixth business now. So for somebody who hasn't yet taken that plunge, it would just be really interesting to hear what you took. And also, you know, is running your own business and being your own boss as glamorous as people think? And I'll ask that question first to Trevor from The Freedom Switch, uh, because most people think that when you start up your own business, you just quit your day job and you go tell your boss where to stuff that job, and then you start your own company. So is that what happened to you, Trevor? That is exactly what happened to me, David. <laughs> but but that is exactly what I I recommend you do not do, because <laughs> I did that and and you know there was a lot of hardship and lots of trials and tribulations in in looking to go from no job to to starting a business that actually um, you know give, gives you the revenue that you're looking for. But my story is I, I worked in the corporate space for a long time for ten years, uh, quit my job very Jerry Maguire style one day. And then, uh, and then tried to figure things out. Started off as a life coach first, that transitioned to business coaching, which then transitioned to startup coaching. And as my vegan um, and my, my personal passions developed, I realized that that was going to be uh, where I would work with only ethical and conscious businesses like all of these amazing vegan entrepreneurs out there. 
Oh, thank you for that, Trevor. That's really good to hear. I, I, I wish I had a recording of that Jerry Maguire moment. So that'll be wonderful to see. As I'll, I'll just move on to Keith next from Vegan Accountants. Now, Keith, I know that you come from a family business background. So that idea of creating your employment was probably something you already had in mind. But you actually took over Vegan Accountants as an established company and then grew it rather than launching a new business from scratch. Yeah, so we, we took over Vegan Accountants in the summer of 2020 so I look back and I'm not really sure what I was thinking um doing an acquisition as such during a pandemic but seemed like a really good idea at the time so now I'm glad we did it and uh you know it's obviously then aligning our expertise with um my ethics and vegan passion so um you know it fits in well and then yeah we've grown the business since uh, we've taken that on so um, yeah, I also remember kind of moving from corporate world to the family business and, uh, yeah, did that gradually, actually, because I uh, did a bit of training for a year or so just to get up to speed and um, moved over. But, yeah, I think employment versus self-employment's an interesting one. I mean, it, I wouldn't say, you know, it's not really better or worse. There's obviously pros and cons. I mean, in a way, it's more stressful but more rewarding. So, you know, you have to decide what you want, really. Absolutely. And I'm sure we'll hear a little bit more about that later. Now, I'll come to Mitali next, because like Keith, you also took on an established company with Let's Tell Your Story instead of launching from scratch. So has that actually made a difference in how quickly you were able to get up and running? Huge difference. A really big difference, David. Um, So I'm a ghostwriter. I shouldn't say that I was a ghostwriter. I'm not a ghostwriter anymore. Um, so I've written seven books. And then last year I decided I'd like to teach people how to write books simply because the first book I wrote took me 15 months to write. And the seventh book I wrote took me six weeks. And I just figured, right, I've got a structure now. Why not teach people the structure? But as a ghostwriter, you hand over the manuscript. And then the next time you speak to your client, they're inviting you to a launch party. I didn't see what happened from manuscript stage to publish book stage. So by taking on an established business that had all those processes in place, made things a lot easier and error free for me. So I'm really, really glad. Absolutely amazing. And then finally, I'm just going to come to Steve from Do Good Dog Food. And I think, Steve, that your story is perhaps more typical of what people think starting up a business is actually going to be like. You know, Do Good is the classic story of you looking for a solution to your own problem, not being able to find it, and so deciding to create your own. So how long did it actually take you to get Do Good to launch? So, yeah, um, similar to Trevor, I I quit my job in the midst of the global pandemic, just on a reassessment of my life, Um, you know, working in a corporate job where I've got nice benefits, but I was quite unsatisfied, not really passionate about the industry. So uh, it took a global pandemic for me to kind of take the plunge um, and combine my uh, passions of nutrition um, and uh, dogs and my dogs um, to to launch Do Good. Um, Our story started in Cambodia, where Um, I'd never had a dog in my life. And and in Cambodia, there was no such thing as pet dogs. So they were either guard dogs or they were food. Um, And I was driving along one day and saw uh, a beagle in a cage at the side of the road in 35 degree heat that was being sold for dog meat, I assumed. And I pulled over and called my wife and said, we've we've got to get her. We've got to save her. And, you know, I had to walk her every day past a kind of dog meat spit at the end of the road. And that really got me questioning kind of you know, why, if we think eating dog meat is so unthinkable, then why are we eating other animals and why are we feeding our dogs other animals? So 
Uh, we did a lot of research and found that dogs are omnivores that can thrive on plant-based just like humans. Um, and so we started cooking for ourselves and um, there was no commercial dog food in Cambodia. So we were just cooking for ourselves. Come back to the UK and horrified to see what's on the shelves, you know, in terms of um, kind of food that's cooked at high pressures and um, temperatures, all the nutrients are lost. Um, animal derivatives, things that we found out is things like bloods and bones and feathers. Uh, we didn't think our dogs could thrive on that. So we started cooking it ourselves. And um, as I say, we, you know, we fell back into our corporate jobs when we were back in the UK, but it, it, it really took the pandemic for us to say, right, um, there is no solution out here for, for us to, to buy this. And we're busy individuals. So uh, we teamed up with a canine nutritionist consultant um, and also a Michelin star chef to help develop the recipes. And, uh, and bring it to market. So it's taken about a year, um, and we can touch on this later, but there's been a lot of highs and lows, and we had to delay our launch recently because at the very last moment, the kitchen that we were using to produce the food uh, just stopped taking my calls and emails about two weeks before they were due to cook the first batch. And I've since found out that they actually went under and collapsed as a company. Um, so, you know, we had to delay the launch. We'd taken pre-orders from the customers, and we had to tell them, you know, just bear with us because, um, you know, we've, we've run into some some trouble. So, yeah, it's, it's been a real kind of up and down journey. But um, I, I feel alive every day now doing this rather than just cruising in my my corporate job. So it's, it's thoroughly worth it. That's absolutely amazing, Steve. And, and I'm going to I'm going to actually start with, with yourself and come to you on this first question, because, um, you know, We've just heard there that it sort of took a global pandemic for many people to actually start their business. And if you look at, uh, there was a survey done by SME uh, Loan Survey in January 2020, and that showed that 64% of the UK's workforce have aspirations to set up their own business. But the vast majority of us remain as employees. So why do we think... Uh, people are not launching their own business. What's stopping people? And why don't more people do it? Is it is it a lack of knowledge, a lack of motivation, or is it just a lack of time? So I'm going to start with you, yourself on that one, Steve, because you are someone who is right in the middle of it sure. all right now. Sure. I think um, being an employee is, is um, comfortable and easy. You know, you've got uh, predictable hours. You've got nice benefits. You know, you've got a pension, you know, that we contributed by your employer. Typically, you have health cover. You know, you, you've got the kind of um, you've got the backup of a brand established company behind you. Um, and so really stepping out on your own. Um, for me, it was yeah, a mixture of lack of time. You know, I might be working 40, 50, 60 hour weeks already. Get home. You're tired. You, you find that you you don't have the energy to think about anything else. And I think um, but mainly it's to do with um fear of the unknown and confidence to put yourself outside of your comfort zone. And as I said, I could have continued in my career quite happily, um, quite unsatisfied, but not too many highs, not too many lows, just kind of a general underlying base of um, not being passionate about what I was doing. I could have continued that till I was retired, had a nice, comfortable life, be paid quite well and um, but be deeply unsatisfied. So, um, yeah, as I said, it, it took a global pandemic for my wife and I to say, why are we commuting three hours a day? Why are we working, you know, 12 hours a day, every day, no time for each other, um, no time for our dogs, having to leave them in the house all day. And um, that, that's what made me take the plunge. Um, and uh, luckily for me, my wife uh, is earning the money and she's the brains behind things. And then I'm the doer to, to get the, the stuff done um, for our business. So it, it kind of works between us. But I think um, 
it's not as glamorous as uh, you might think, um, but it's definitely more rewarding. Lots of highs and lows um, compared to working in a in a company. But um, but yeah, so I think that's probably the main reason. It's um, it, it's easy being an employee and it's it's quite comfortable. You've got absolutely. to just push yourself outside your comfort zone. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we can all agree that's one lucky beagle <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that led to all this happening. So, Keith, I don't want to come to you next on this one, because when people start a business, one of the first things they do or one of the first things they should do is go speak to an accountant. So what do you see as the reason that more of us just don't launch our own businesses? Yeah, you touched on it there. I think people have this mindset that they have to do everything themselves which, you know, is totally overwhelming. And I mean, for example, I'm reading a book at the moment, Nine Lies About Work, and one of the chapters, you know, it's talking about uh, Lionel Messi, like he's got this amazing left foot and is the best footballer that's ever lived, but he never uses his right foot. And I think, you know, you can apply that because it's, a, a, I think business, has, successful businesses, they focus on, you know, their super strengths. So it's actually focusing in what you're good at and then surrounding yourself with experts and, um, you know, having that all around us because, and, you know, as accountancy as an example, you can have a great business. I've seen it. So, yeah, hundreds, hundreds of examples. But if you neglect that part, you know, your business will fail. It's inevitable. Um, so, yeah, that's what I would say, really. Focus on what you're good at and... Uh, collaborate and network and you know obviously what you've built with vegan business tribes a great example of that really <laughs> thank you for that keith and, and yeah i mean just to echo that i think when people first go self-employed or launch their own business they can go from having it support they, they you know they, they, they can go from having a, a cleaner in the office they, they can go from all this support you know just to then trying to do absolutely everything themselves it sometimes is quite a big jump to make uh, Mitali, i just want to come to you next because you do work with a lot of entrepreneurs so what would you say stops people from starting up their own business um, all of the above, <laughs> pretty much what Stephen and Keith said. Um, yeah, I think just just as as humans, really, we kind of are in a semi coma most of the time about most things. I mean, I, I think it's the same thing with veganism. Most of my friends aren't vegan, um, and that doesn't make them bad people. It's not like non vegans are bad people. They're just in this semi coma where they just don't want to be told that actually their lifestyles is causing a lot of harm to animals. And usually most of us have had some sort of jolt, something that happened with us in our lives that made us think, wow, animals actually are very sentient. We've got to stop doing it. It's the same thing with jobs. We just kind of, we whinge about it. We get to the pub on Friday nights. I go, oh God, I hate my boss and all that kind of thing. But we're comfortable in it and it takes some sort of jolt. For me, it was... Um, 2013, I'm a seasonal affective disorder sufferer, and I'm a model employee during the summer months. Come the winter, I'm a nightmare. I'm ill. I just can't get out of bed. I'm on antidepressants. And I've basically forced myself into having my own business because I thought I can't keep going on like this. If I have my own business, I can make my own hours. If I want to stay until in bed until 10 in the morning, I can do and I'll work straight through until 10 at night. Um, that's why usually people set up a business either because they're passionate about something, you know, like Steve is. And I, I lived in Phuket, by the way, Steve. So I've seen the whole dogs in cages. It's oh, it just gets to you. I can't even look sometimes. So I know it, it takes things like that, some sort of jolt to 
set up your own business because it's hard um, as you know as Trevor says a lot of people a lot of people think it's glamorous it might be 10 years later if you've done things right <laughs> for the first 10 years you're going to work harder than you ever did for a boss just take that as a given that's what you're going to do Absolutely. And I'm, I'm going to come on to Trevor next and bring him into the conversation because Trevor, you actually help people move from being employed to having their own company. So you must hear all the reasons under the sun that stopping people doing this. So what do you come up against most? Yeah, I, I mean, it's all of the above. Um, everything that everyone everyone's mentioned so far. And uh, I'm not surprised because we've all gone through these um, through these experiences. I think the the biggest one if I were to, you know, if I'm looking at somebody who's, who's um, considering it is usually self-doubt. Um, it is just, am I good enough? Is, is it worth the fear of failure? There's all of these, these internal issues more than the external ones. That, um, and it then gets um, presented in, as if it's an external issue, as if, you know, oh, is the, the market right? Is this, is there a, uh, am I able to make money from doing something like this? Uh, and that leads us to um, a more practical reason, which is uh, a lack of clarity. You know, a lot of people are very vague about these things. And that comes from having it's, it's the most unglamorous, most, the least sexiest thing. But if you've got a plan <laughs> that you're, you're starting off on the right foot, you know, so, uh, failing to plan is, is planning to fail. So, um, so those are the two things, I, I suppose, those the, the main ones that I could, I could mention. Absolutely brilliant, Trevor. And yeah, I mean, that self-confidence, that self-belief, that is such an important part of, of running any business. And I'm just going to stay with you to, to introduce the next question as well, because we're starting to see that some of the myths about running and owning your own business, they're, they're just not true. And I think in the media, we only mainly see the upside of having your own business. And more yeah. importantly, we only actually hear the stories of the people who've been um, successful. In fact, you know, we've done panels in the past with people whose first business actually failed. And I think there's as much to learn from hearing those stories as, you know, as, as us talking today. So um, what I want to just ask is, I know most people who start a business, they actually spend a lot of time working on that business before it launches. In fact, you know, many work on a new business while they're still getting income from somewhere else. Because if you're starting a business from scratch, it might take, I don't know, uh, it might take, you know, two years until that business can actually pay you a wage that you can live on. So uh, let's just go to the next question of what should you actually be doing now if you're thinking of launching a business in the future? So what work do you wish that you'd have done before launching your business? Uh, and, and just what would have made it a lot easier? Is this, this is with me, right? Please, Rafi, yes. Yeah. So um, I, I know how that feels because the first business I decided to launch, it was a life coaching consultancy called Positrev Living. <laughs> and I, I've, I've still got the name, um, so it may may re you know <laughs> re. That is genius, Trevor. I absolutely love that. <laughs> Thank you. So, positive living, you know, crashed and burned within six months of getting, or you know, about a one. I gave it about a year. Um, had six clients in the whole year, um, which was obviously not enough. And um, the the big thing that I learned at that time was I was trying to be everything for everyone. Who was I? A life coach. Who could I help? Everybody. You know, what could I help them do? Everything. So um, the one big thing that I've now learned is it actually pays to be something specific to someone 
um, and help become the answer to their solution uh, or become the solution to, to their problem because, um, because that's one of the big mistakes that people do. They try and do everything for everyone because they think they're going to miss out on some aspect of the market. And as a result, um, their message is too vague, uh, which doesn't appeal to anybody. Absolutely. That's really important uh, information to put across. Uh, Steve, let me just jump back to you. So what do you wish that you'd done before launching DoGod? Or you know, how, how much did you actually work did you do before you actually ran up to that launch? Uh, well, yeah, I think uh, I worked a lot in the background on it. Um, and what I wish I'd done is got it out into the world sooner. Um, we didn't get it. I mean, I started working on it just over a year ago. And we didn't get it out into the world until March. And, and that was through the platform of running our crowdfunder. Um, and um, that was kind of the springboard to launch it on social media, just kind of put a holding page for the website and start um, finding a way to connect with, with an audience. So what I wish I'd done is started that sooner. I guess I thought, um, you know, I wanted everything to be perfect. So I did a lot of research, you know, contacted hundreds and hundreds of people, asking them various questions about whether they would, you know, would they consider feeding their dogs vegan? Did they think it was important? What, what were they looking for? And I wish I'd just got it out there sooner. I guess you think, um, you know, you think uh, that, you know, someone might steal my idea because vegan dog food doesn't really exist. And definitely, you know, this is the first ever chef cooked fresh vegan dog food. It doesn't exist. So what if someone steals this before I launch? So I won't, you know, tell anyone about it till the last minute. But the reality is that no one's going to steal your idea. You're, you're more likely to be ignored than anything. And actually, um, the hardest thing is getting connecting with an audience and building that up. So I wish we'd started that earlier. I wish we'd put a holding page on our website and started doing our social media earlier and started shouting about what we were doing much, much, much earlier um, because uh, that is the hardest thing out of anything is um, people listening, you know, and, and finding the right people. So uh, th that's what I'd say uh, would be my best bit of advice for I wish I'd started sooner. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we are living in a world now where it's perfectly acceptable to build a business in public. And so many people actually build an audience before they've got anything to sell. So I 100% echo what you're saying there. Uh, Keith, let, let me come to you next. What, what do you think those first important steps are when you're first launching a business? I think there's a couple of things. I think a really important thing is you have to know what you want, what you're aiming for. Um, and, and there's kind of, we haven't really touched on this, but there's kind of two different things at play here. And so I guess sometimes it happens by accident, but you, are you going into starting your own business because you want to be your own boss? And then effectively you're creating a job for yourself and you will work alone and you will provide a service and that will give you a living and that's brilliant and it gives you the flexibility and that's fantastic. Or do you want to, you know, do you want to go for something bigger build a business and you want to have a team of people and, and kind of have that vision and mission. I guess people don't always know, but I think that's important um, to, to bear in mind. And then obviously off the back of that, and what's quite interesting, you might be surprised by this, but uh, I talk to loads of accountants all the time and you'd see, you'd even, I, I see it so much, accountants fail, their businesses fail. And it's because they haven't, you know, they, they might be quite good at building a job for themselves, but then if they want to start scaling and think, oh, well, my pricing at the beginning was far too low. So now I've got, you know, 100 clients 
And that's okay to pay me. But if I want to then build a business, I've got no margins. I can't do it. Um, so I think pricing is the other thing where you've got price at mind at the beginning and don't price too low. Don't price to think, oh, you know, I'm not valuing my own time. You have to value your own time. This is why I'm saying about getting expertise because you have to think, well, what am I worth? Okay, can I get someone to do the same thing probably better, you know, at a reasonable rate? And then that frees me up to work on what I'm good at. Absolutely. And who'd ever thought we'd hear of accountants failing? Gosh, <laughs> how does that happen? But but again, you know, really important part of it. You don't have to do everything yourself. And I think that's what lots of us fall into the trap of doing when we first launch a business. We are trying to do our own accounts. We, we, we're trying to do build our own web pages. We, you know, we even try to print our own business cards sometimes. So, uh, yeah, absolutely, yes. You know, it is sometimes better to bring that help in and help you to do that. Uh, Mitali, can I come to you next on this? So what word do you think it's crucial for people to do before launching a business? or what do you wish that you'd have done um what would I wish I've done I think yeah I, I think I, I would say what, what Steve says is just tell more people about it I think it's it's strange as a copywriter I know this but it's amazing you move into a different direction you forget everything you've learned before which is stupid really you should actually just keep you know learning a lifetime as a copywriter I remember people hiring me and saying oh I'd love to email my list more often and I'd say, oh, you should email them every single day. And they're like, oh, no, 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 I can't do that. I can't email every single day. They'd get sick of me. I'll get complaints. And I would say, do you honestly think you have somebody who opens your emails every single day? How many emails do you have right now in your inbox? And that's your primary inbox. I'm not even talking about the other inboxes that you've got. How many have you got that are unopened? So you can email somebody every single day. And it's fine. You're not going to get complaints. And the people who don't like you, you give them a big unsubscribe link at the bottom. They can unsubscribe. There you go. So I would tell people this as a copywriter, switch to becoming an owner of a publishing company, forget everything over the last few years. So, yeah, I think I was reticent in telling people about it. I, I now do email my list every single day. But in the beginning, it was like, oh, I just email them like a newsletter once a week. But the thing is, we live in a very noisy world now. So this idea that we're going to annoy people, <laughs> chance would be a fine thing. If you're annoying somebody, you're actually probably doing something good because it means actually paying attention to you. You know, most people are not paying attention and you need to fight through the noise and be at people's be in people's minds when they need your products or services. So yeah, just shout about it. Don't be scared about emailing or being on social media every day or whatever it is that you do. Just keep doing it. And that ties in very much with what Trevor was saying right at the start about that self-belief sometimes, you know, just that, that fear of putting yourself out there. That is a really important part of building a business. And some of the businesses we've seen that have grown extremely well over the last couple of years, it has been because of the person running it. And, you know, and some of the businesses we've seen fail, it has been because the person running it hasn't quite had that confidence. They've not got over that fear. Yeah, so, so these are all really, really important points to make. Um, let me just move on to another topic now. And we, we, we've touched on it very briefly and it's about money because um especially in the vegan sector i've seen a lot of people who they just come up with an idea for a business and the first thing they do is they go out thinking they're going to get an investor on board and um, just because they've had an idea for a new vegan product or service but very few of the investors that i know will actually put money into someone's idea 
just so that person can go try that idea out. They might put money into someone's idea if that person has a solid background and record of creating successful businesses. And they think that this next one is going to be just as successful as their last. But no, I think it's fair to say that most new businesses are self-funded, either from savings or bank loans or even, you know, slightly more risky options like maxing out credit cards. So I'd like to come to Keith first on this one as our financial person in the room. But do you think that you need to have money to start up a business is that really a barrier you know do you need to risk your house or take on huge loans to, to get a business off the ground Keith I wouldn't risk your house um, but yeah I guess everyone's different aren't they everyone's got different attitude to to risk as well and it depends on the strength of the idea but yeah I mean I guess before getting an investor in board, on board and this sort of thing um you know, this is this is the whole point of networking and having a network. And I know, for example, you've got a Slack group and people are chucking ideas around and uh, business plans. And, you know, I, I think that's the whole thing, isn't it? It's kind of a 10 heads are better than one. And um, you, you don't need to be turn up at Dragon's Den or whatever and be told uh, your idea is rubbish. You know, you can get enough decent and expertise and feedback before that point and yeah I mean if you've got a strong idea you believe in it find a way to make it happen and what kind of advice Keith do you give to people who are looking for money to actually start up a business well yeah I guess it depends what stage they're at like you're saying do they want to scale up or is it literally a launch um but yeah, I mean, it's nice, quite difficult climate at the moment. Um, I mean, I, I guess you had that window where if you fell in the right timing, you could have some good luck with the COVID loans because, um, you know, the bounce back loans, for example, they were giving out like sweets. Um, I think we'll see the, I mean, it was unbelievable, you know, it was just kind of 50 grand and I don't know if you saw it, people you know, taking the cash out and disappearing and whatever. It's probably not got enough press. But, yeah, I mean, these days it's a little bit tighter because obviously we're in that period where it's kind of uh, the post-bounce-back uh, loans, post-Siebel's. Um, You've got the recovery loans. So um, someone like um, Nick Mayhew would be probably a better person to ask about getting finance. But, yeah, obviously there's different options. If you can get someone on board with you, investor, or uh, get a loan, also depends around it's like I was saying it comes back to this what do you actually want because as soon as you get an investor on, on board you know I'm not a massive fan of that obviously it depends on the situation you're actually then tied in with someone you know I think it's probably my character and personality a little bit but I'd want to keep it all to myself really you know um, I mean I'm all up for involving the team I think involving the team's good but you know, if you have got a brilliant idea and then suddenly you're giving away 30% of the business, well, you know, that doesn't quite sit well with me either. So, and then I think a really important thing actually to think about, you start giving away equity, um, then you think, well, am I doing all the work? How am I going to be compensated? Because the classic thing when you run a business, you think, okay, I'm running a business, all the risk is with me, I get all the reward, so I'll get all the profits. Then you have another thing, like someone else owns the business, I'm doing all the work, they're, they're getting um, share of the profits, 
I'm getting a lot less, you know, and then you get into, well, okay, I need to be paid for my time. I can't just get a profit share. I actually need to be getting a salary for not only being a business owner, but working in the business as well. Absolutely. And all really important questions. And again, like you said at the start, it's going back to having that plan for what you want as a business. If you're building a business that you plan to sell in two or three years, then you will have a very different launch as if you're launching a business that you just want to give you an, an income to retirement, perhaps. So yeah, brilliant answer, Keith. Uh, Mitali, let's move to you on this question then. So do you need money to start a business? Yes. <laughs> Short answer. Yes. Um, yes, you do. Um well, I mean, it depends. I mean, I think I think it was I think it was Keith who talked about this earlier. There are two kinds of businesses. There is the business where you essentially give yourself a job. I call it freelancing. And then there is where you have a business where you're creating an asset so that at some point you're no longer bartering time for money, because that's essentially what a job is. You give time. And somebody gives you money for your time and your skills. When you become a freelancer, yes, uh, when I became a copywriter and a, co and a ghostwriter, yes, it was wonderful for my SAD. I didn't, you know, definitely in the, uh, in the winter, I didn't get out of bed until nine in the morning at the earliest. Wonderful. But I still was only earning when I was working. So I'd given myself a job. That kind of business you still may need a little bit of startup capital because you still need to do marketing and that kind of thing. But on the whole, your startup costs are quite small. But if you're starting a business such as Steve has, you know, um, with vegan dog food, you need a lot of money first because you're creating an asset. But that's a mindset thing. I think that's another reason, going back to the very first question you asked, David, um, about why don't people don't get into um, owning their own business. First of it is, like I said, a lot of people are in a semi-coma and just they're comfortable. But another thing is, is that knowledge of you're creating an asset, which means you put a lot in before you can actually get anything out. So you have to have that mindset of not looking at the balance sheets and getting scared after a year because you're more in the red than you're in the black. But just saying, I'm only 12 months in and I'm building something in the same way you build a house. You don't just, you know, lay a brick and go, right, I'm done. I now need to someone pay me rent for this brick that I've just laid. It's like, no, you need to build the rest of the house. They need to do the interiors. You need to furnish it. A lot of money's got to go in first before you can start taking money out of it. But as long as you go in with that mindset, then you're going to be okay. Absolutely. And I think, like I said earlier, you know, we've had members of Vegan Business Tribe who've just signed up. And when we've had our first, you know, one-to-one -one with those people, they've actually said, yeah, I've just quit my job. I've got six months worth of savings in the bank, you know, so I need to make this business work. And it's like, yeah, that's not going to happen. You, 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 you can't be launching a business with that kind of pressure. So, you know, these are all really, really important things to consider. Uh, Trevor, let's come to you next on this question. So when people come to you, do they need to have their, their life savings ready to invest? So it's a, it's a really good question. And um, a lot of times, you know, because uh, the, the way we position um, the offering is we ask for people to have a certain amount so that we can help them with things like their branding, website, content, and, and marketing. And one of the things I, I say to people is um, don't expect to just throw money and think, have just clients just show up because you need money to invest in the business to then be able to get the res results. And a lot of times I see people, you know, coming to me and saying, oh yeah, you know, um, so can, when do we start the Google ads or when, when do we start Facebook ads? 
I'm like, where's your where's your brand? <laughs> what do you what do you what are you going to put on these pl- things? So, you know, a lot of times people have this misconception that oh, I need money because I need to market, but the, but there there isn't a, once again, you know, going back to the P word, the plan there isn't a plan in place. Um, and that's so critical. So yes, money is absolutely important. And, you know, as I said, my advice to people is transition into business rather than going, you know, um, go, go, I was going to say cold, cold turkey, but we've got to find a vegan version to that. <laughs> no, cold tofu is what we say. Cold tofu. <laughs> love that. Okay. Um, you know, so transition um, and make sure that you've got what, what we know in business as a MVP or a minimum viable product where you've proved it, you've tested it, there's a market there, they've got a problem, you've got a solution. Just like Steve's done right now, it's a fantastic MVP where there are vegans out there who want their their dogs to be able to, you know, to have a, uh, you know, an awesome vegan um, treat or, you know, um, food to eat. So, once that's done, then we can start, you know, investing a little bit more and we can look at investors. And that's, by the way, you know, when we talk about investors, uh, as Keith said, it's not like they're investors just standing in line waiting to throw money at your idea. <laughs> it's, it's quite the opposite. So once you've got the MVP in place and you've, you've got some clarity as to how much of your time and, you know, um, efforts that you've invested in the business, that's when you can look at looking at uh, getting some more investment in. Yeah. Yeah, that, that very much, Trevor. And I think one thing we always say is, you know, you should never be putting large sums of money into something until you've proven that that thing actually works first. And then you should only be putting that money in to scale that thing up and make it work better. So, yeah, what, what 100% what you're saying there about the testing of a minimal buyer product. Um, Steve, let's just come to you on this one then. So, so you know, do good is right at that launch stage at the moment. And so that means that you've not actually yet been able to take money off people. So has launching do good been an expensive venture? Um, yeah, well, I think the first, I agree with what Trevor's just said. I think the first thing is that um, separating your personal life from the business you're trying to start is you need to make sure that um, in your your kind of your home life, you can survive month to month. So that's going to be personal to anybody. So whether, you know, for me, it was I'm quitting, my wife's going to be earning the money and paying the mortgage, and we needed to have that agreement in advance. And then we uh, need to cut back on luxuries and cut back on some discretionary spending to make this work. And, and that's that's our agreement. Um, for other people, it might be that they're going to go down to part-time or just do it alongside their full-time job, because typically you've either got time or money, but you rarely have both. So if you've got the money, you can um, you can pay people to do things for you at the start to do the branding or help develop the product. Or if you've got time, um, you can do it yourself. And in the age of the internet and uh, social media, you can do things like marketing and, and branding and all the kind of the programs you can use to create beautiful things and templates quite quite cheaply, to be honest. Um, so we've we for us, it was important to get the branding right. And we did spend some money there with uh, it was actually my friend's uh, branding agency um, who've, who've been fantastic. Um, and then the rest of the money went into the nutritional consultant and the chef to make sure the product was right. So, you know, we, we have sunk, um, you know, some, some money from savings. Um, however, as Trevor just mentioned, um, it is about getting the minimum viable product out there as uh, economically as possible because um, you can spend thousands and thousands and thousands on something that's perfect 
and everything's perfect from the website to the branding to everything else. But then if you launch it and you haven't connected with your audience yet or you haven't proved that there's a demand for it, then it's just money wasted. And so it is about getting the minimum viable product out there, um, connecting with your audience, proving a demand for it. Um, and then, you know, you are going to have along the way, you're going to have learnings and things are going to have to change. And, you know, um, our recipes, we think are perfect, but they may well need to change after a few months because, um, you know, they might upset dog stomachs or they might dogs might not be interested in the taste so we know we're going to have to continue to adapt and improve and so um i'd say as long as you know in your personal life you can survive uh, month to month um you can you need a budget to start a business but you can do it um, i mean we're working with a product but especially if you're working with a service and the service is yourself I think you could do it on quite a cost-effective way to get it up and running and i don't think money should ever stand in the way of of um of you starting a business and then you know for us we we're self-funding and we're trying to launch and get you know maybe six to 12 months of organic growth um so we can prove to ourselves that this is a viable business that that we believe we can really scale and, and that's when we may start looking at investors to kind of you know give us the opportunity to scale up more, more quickly and, and get it out there but i think you could you could self-fund the whole way and retain you know total equity of your business um in this day and age quite 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 easily yeah and, and i think steve you've actually made a really important point there so if i go back to the days when i was running a a a, a design and marketing and, and business growth agency we used to call this the website bounce that quite often we knew if we were working with a startup business we we could design a brand and a website for them and they would probably be back in six to eight months for a new brand and website because what they discovered was that original one just didn't connect with the marketplace um like they initially thought they were going to do or they completely changed direction once they actually start to, started talking to their customers so i think it's a hundred percent right you know just be mindful of how much you're spending on that initial setup and especially that initial branding when you haven't yet Get fully engaged with your audience and fully worked out which of their problems you know your product is really going to solve 100 yeah brilliant so let, let's let's just start to wrap up the conversation a little bit so what i'd like to do just for this final bit is let's just go around the room and let's ask for that one piece of advice that one piece of wisdom from each of you so if someone is sat there thinking and they're watching this or listening to this and they're thinking about starting up their own business what's that one bit of advice you would give to them and, and Matali, i'm going to come to you first on this one so what's the one bit of advice or what would you say to somebody who is currently thinking about starting their own business yeah i have to apologize isha just decided to join the meeting so just just <laughs> say hello isha there we go <laughs> she's just decided she wants to know exactly what happens in vegan businesses as well <laughs> so just so uh, the one bit of advice I would say is um, actually going back to what you said earlier, David, where, you know, there's a lot of people who think I've got a great idea. And then it's like they want to do it. Either they put loads of their savings into it or they want to find investors. And then, as you as you said, most investors are not really all that interested if you just have a great idea. There's too much um there's too much emphasis put on great ideas. I think it's like the culture of Dragon's Den and uh, The Apprentice and that kind of thing. A mediocre product or service executed well will do far better in this world than a brilliant product or service that's just an idea. There's a reason why in this country I just can't go and patent an idea. You can't. You know, I can suddenly just decide, oh, I'll decide to patent flying saucers. 
and with no execution at all. And the reason why I can't do that is someone does invent it 100 years later. I make a ton of money just for dreaming it up and not thinking of the execution. Think, don't just think of the idea, think beyond that. How is that idea going to happen? Start thinking, making a plan. As Trevor says, you need to make a proper business plan regarding your idea and how it's going to come to fruition. Once you've got that, if you've got money yourself and you want to invest in it, then it becomes much more of a sound investment. And if you're looking for investors, there's more chance that investors will say yes to you because you actually have a plan. It's not just an idea. You've thought logically about how you're going to execute it. Absolutely. That is brilliant advice. Uh, Steve, as someone who's actually just gone through this, what's your one piece of final advice? Uh, I'd say um, from the start, do your research, um, you know, to determine there's a need for your product or service and a hungry audience for it. Have a higher purpose because um, things don't happen unless you make them happen. Um, unlike when you're working for a company. So you need to have that kind of purpose, which I think people with a vegan business will typically have. Um, and get your product out there as soon as possible and start connecting with the audience about it. Because as I said before, no one's going to steal your idea. You're more likely to be ignored uh, initially. And then uh, really the overall thing is just be prepared for the roller coaster of emotions. Um, and as hard as it is, you know, don't take rejection personally. and Don't pin your self-worth to the success of, of your business, at least initially, because you're going to have to be prepared to work hard for little reward and kind of take those take those failures as a learning opportunity instead of taking them personally, because they're going to be many failures along the way and you just got to keep learning from them. Absolutely. And that's such good advice. Uh, Keith, if somebody comes to you and asks you for your one piece of advice on starting up your own business, uh, what would you say to them? Uh, apart from get yourself a good accountant, obviously. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's loads of things, but I was going to talk about technology because I think, Time is the biggest thing for me and as a business owner and um, creating automation. I mean, I can give a quick example where um, an inquiry comes into us. We use Cognito Forms. Um, and then the beauty of these softwares now all in the cloud is you can link them all together. So there's something called Zaps. I don't know if everyone's heard of Zaps, but we use a lot of Zaps. So you get the inquiry form in and that triggers something else, right? They're added to your... Um, newsletter okay they've asked for a quote you get the quote done okay they, you're going to then follow up with the um, prospect um, you know at a set period of time that's all automated they're going to get a link to your Calendly to book a meeting with you um, and it's all you know it's all set out so that obviously it depends what business you're in but that marketing journey so for me you know it's, it's great because uh, it's like I said um before we started, I've, you know, I was at the office yesterday. I was at a conference, and I come in this morning, and we've got two new signups. So, um, if you can get the technology working for you, and, and kind of create that um, sort of passive benefit as well, it, I think it just takes you to a whole new level, really. And I couldn't agree with that absolutely more. <laughs> okay, thank you for that. Um, and then finally, Trevor, as our startup guru, what's your one closing bit of wisdom for the people listening or watching this? I'd say believe in yourself. That, that would probably be the most important thing. You know, I think we all touched on this at some point or another during today's conversation, uh, which is this, you know, the sooner you start believing that, you, you're, you're worth it, that your 
idea has a place in this in this world and you take action um the it's it's like what we always say as vegans you know what's what's your biggest regret why didn't i do this why didn't i go vegan five years ten years earlier same thing with with the business so and uh, two other reasons why it's so important to believe in yourself of course one is you know to start at the the right time um, but the other one is your business will eventually be a manifestation of who you are. So if you've got these limiting beliefs around money and, oh, you know, I'm not, not deserving of it, guess what? That's what's going to start, you know, showing up in your business as well. And as Steve said, it's, it's not, you know, all rainbows and unicorns. There are some tough times. So the more you believe in yourself and in, in your idea and in your purpose, uh, the more likely it's going to be that you're going to ride through those rough times and and see successful horizons. So, you know, believe in yourself and, and everything will come to fruition. And that is a wonderful piece of advice for us to finish on. Thank you for that, Trevor. So uh, thank you all for your time on what will have been a really enlightening discussion for a lot of people on the realities of starting your own business. As I said, we could have easily just spent an hour talking to each person on this one. But let me just quickly go around the room and let's just find out that if people do want to follow on and connect with you or find out more about your business, where can they go? So Matali first from Let's Tell Your Story Publishing. Matali, how do people connect with you? Uh, well, my website is letstellyourstory.com. So it's quite simple. So just go and find it. Or you can find me on any social media platform. I'm always Mitali Book Pro. That is wonderful. Uh, Keith from Vegan Accountants, how can people connect with yourself? So yeah, we're veganaccountants.co.uk and then we're on um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Vegan Accountants UK. Wonderful. Thank you for that, Keith. And, and Steve, if somebody actually wants to try some amazing do-good vegan dog food, you know, where do they go to find out more? Yeah, uh, so it's order online for home delivery. Um, our website is wearedogood.co.uk. Um, we're also on Facebook and Instagram at wearedogood. And dogood is D-O-G-O-O-D. Thank you for that, Steve. And then finally, Trevor from The Freedom Switch. Uh, where do people go to find out more about yourself? Brilliant. Yep, just thefreedomswitch.com or you could look me up, Trevor Banerjee. Banerjee rhymes with energy. So that's <laughs> nice. Positive living and, and energy as well. Um, yeah, and you can find me on social media. And yeah, let's have a chat. I'm going to go book that domain name, Positrev Living. I think that's amazing. Okay, so and myself, I have been David Pennell. And if you'd like to listen and watch back to more great content like this, then do come and check it out at veganbusinesstribe.com. And that's where you can also join our amazing community of vegan business owners and get support from not just myself and Lisa, but also from the people like the amazing folk that you've just been listening to on this panel today. Because we mustn't forget that we are all on a mission. You know, your business can and should be your form of activism. And we've heard a lot of that today. It's not just enough to have a vegan business. You need to have a successful vegan business. So it's actually going to make a real impact so that it can move us ever so quicker towards this vegan world that we're all working towards. So Thank you so much for my four guests today. And thank you also to the team at VegFest UK for both hosting this event, but also just for continuing to provide such an amazing platform throughout the last couple of years when in-person events haven't been possible. 
And that was indeed an amazing panel discussion. Probably one of my favourite sessions of the year so far. And as I said at the start, if you want to see the video version, then just head over to the website at veganbusinesstribe.com and find our live seminars and panels archive. Now, just before I let you go, so if you found this information today really useful, and I know that you have because you're still here listening at the end, then there are two things you can do to help support us at Vegan Business Tribe. Now, first, I'm afraid, is the parting with money option. So as I said, it's only £12.99 a month to join up as a full Vegan Business Tribe member, and you genuinely get so much value for that. And if you are indeed looking to start a vegan business, as we've been talking about today, then as part of signing up, you also get a welcome one-to-one with myself and Lisa, where you can tell us all about what you're doing and we'll see what support and help we can give you to make that a success. And you never know, if you sign up as a member, you might even end up on one of these panels yourself. But if you also really love what we're doing at Vegan Business Tribe and want to support us that little bit more, then we also have our VBT patrons who pay just £99 a month and they still get full membership. But we try and give our patrons a little bit more visibility in return for them giving that little extra, such as our patron Keith from Vegan Accountants, who you heard today in this panel. And yes, Keith is who we use also as our accountants at Vegan Business Tribe. But the second way that you can help us completely for free is just to share this podcast with your own contacts. So maybe you're part of a vegan business group on Facebook or on LinkedIn or even on WhatsApp. Or you can even just leave us a five-star review. And especially if you're listening on iTunes, where you can type a short review telling people what you think. Doing this genuinely makes a huge difference in all the algorithms and the platforms recommending this podcast to more listeners. And if we can do that, we can get this information into the ears and the heads and the hearts of more people looking to grow a vegan business. And that just moves us ever so quicker towards that vegan world. So thank you so much for giving your time to listen. Lisa and I, we always really appreciate you giving up your time to listen every week. Do go check us out on the website at veganbusinesstribe.com and I will see you on the next one.